When I look back in life, I realize why, you know, I had 18 attempts of suicide under my belt. 18 attempts. 18 attempts. This is all something that I buried for years and nobody knew what was going on. Not even my parents, actually. My mother just recently found out a couple years ago when I wrote the book. Other than that, it was something that I had carried with me. Hey, what's going on, everyone? You got the Billion Dollar Mindset Podcast here with another amazing guest. Uh, it's been a while. I've been trying to get Tara on this on this podcast for quite some time, but because of some circumstances, health, and so forth, uh, we finally have Tara here. And this podcast couldn't be so fitting for uh, for many many people now. Something that's really dear to my heart, and we'll talk about that uh, very soon. Uh, but to give you a quick introduction about Tara, and I'll have make sure Tara corrects me if I'm mistaken, but Tara is a leading expert in both professional and personal transformation. She is often referred to as the dream dealer. She's also the number one best-selling author, Defining Moments, SOS, Stories of Survival, and a motivational speaker. I connected with uh, Tara actually through Clubhouse. Uh, I believe it was uh, Tim Story had asked me to come on uh, and speak. And uh, we ended up connecting, ended up being really in the same, same country. So that actually helped. <laughs> and it's, it's, been a great, it's been a great run with the relationship so far. So welcome, Tara. Ah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We've had a little bouts of scheduling mishaps, but I'm so grateful to have this connection. And I'm so grateful we connected on Clubhouse. I think it was like beautiful synchronicity. So yeah, I'm just blessed to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I'm, I'm reading this and as I call you the dream dealer, and I love that because there's 99% others are dream killers. Yes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And so, um, so yeah, so that's that Tara, why don't you give an audience a, just, just a little bit about yourself and, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, perfect. So I hail from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, born and raised. I'm actually a spiritual life and embodiment coach. That's where my gifts really are. And I'm coined the dream dealer, the dream oracle, because I happen to believe I'm fascinated, obsessed with our dream state. And I actually believe our dream state and our waking state coexist. And how often do we wake up in the morning and we wave off our dream as just a dream? And we get up, we brush our teeth and we take our coffee and we go about our day. But I believe that there's whispers in our dreams. And if we put it into action, it's the law of action. Then all of a sudden we can manifest anything that we deeply desire. And so I'm obsessed with DreamWorks. I have tons of workshops that I run, tons of clients, tons of rooms on Clubhouse. And that's truly where my gifts lie. And yeah, so I, I'm always excited to come on people's podcasts and they have so many questions and I don't dream. How do I dream? And we really go through this huge blueprint of how to really tap into that potential. And it's something that we don't hear a lot about. So I'm really living in that space right now. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, 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 and folks that are listening or are watching you know, with this podcast being a billion dollar mindset, you know, this is not to say that Tara and myself are billionaires. What we're talking about here is the mindset that's going to be required to really untap into your unlimited potential. And, and billion is just basically something that's perhaps tangible for others looking at that. So this is what it's about. It's, it's to equip all of you um, with just thinking outside the box, because, you know, for one to get to that next level, you have to get uncomfortable. And there's going to be a lot of things you're going to have to do to get to that next level that you've never done before. And if that means even looking at the messaging from your, the whispers, as you say, from your dreams or your sleep state, this is what's going to take you to that next level. It's not going to be staying on the same bicycle with the training wheels, 
um, yeah. and only, and, right. <laughs> yes. it, and that, that's yeah. just the reality of it. Right. Yeah, um, so, you know, um, let's get right to your story because your story, when we, when we, like we, we connected on the phone and that's when it just, it just hit, right? Like, I mean, we, we, we connected on clubhouse and then we hopped on a call together. Um, I mean, part of my expression here, fuck. I mean, that's all I could say, you know, and, and for the audience is that if you think your life is going sideways or off course is one thing, but the hard part is not that aspect. It's how do you veer back to the right side of the road? That's the hardest part. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, there was, I'll get right to that first question. And it's been, and I'm going to be honest with you, Tara. Um, I've done so many interviews. This one actually hit me the most with when we talked and that kind of stuff. So Aww. an incident changed your life at 14 years old. Yeah. So that day, so this is all something that I buried for years and yeah. like, Nobody knew what was going on. Not even my parents, actually. My mother just recently found out um, a couple years ago when I wrote the book. Other than that, it was something that I had carried with me. And when I look back in life, I realize why, you know, I had 18 attempts of suicide under my belt. And I was all always... so repeat, repeat that again. 18 attempts. 18 attempts. And the reason why we knew it was 18 is because during my journey from 14 to 33. I journaled a lot. I had 26 journals in my possession. And one day I was being interviewed by a doctor who asked, how did you rewire your neurology? How did you come out of all of these diagnoses without medication, without therapy? And when we were going through the journals and going back through the whole like heap of like craziness that my life was uh, playing out, we counted 18 times that I had tried to take my life. And now at this point, this is not a story of trauma. This is more of a story of triumph because I am not an anomaly. We all have these beautiful, we have this beautiful greatness within us, this power within us. And I think we've been taught in history and through schools, educational systems, religion, through our parents, that we always have to look outside for help and for the answers. And the answers are within. And when I was 14, I was a young 14 year old girl, naive, you know, just hanging around a plaza. I went to McDonald's actually with my girlfriend um, and that day forever changed my life. Uh, two gentlemen had driven by in a, in a smaller vehicle and they had a puppy hanging out the window. And what do most 14 year old girls do? They're like, oh, look at the puppy. Um, and those five words changed my life forever. I was trafficked for years after that um, because I'm such a tenacious Sagittarius and very you know, strong-willed. They learned very early on that the only way that they were going to get me to comply or to do anything was to subdue me. So they drugged me. So I I unfortunately had um, a horrible addiction to cocaine for years and years and years. And I had seen some horrible things, um, things that I probably wouldn't mention on camera, but the worst of the worst. I have seen people, um, people's lives taken in front of me. I've seen people overdose and die in front of me. I've seen people beaten to the last breath. Um, And these are really heavy things for a human being to take on, but it's extremely heavy for a young child to take on. Um, And I, I, I adapted to the environment because I, I was smart enough to realize that if I tried to do anything that could go really, really wrong, but I had nobody to talk to. Um, that was at the age of 14. And then at the age of 15, my mother was involved in a horrific car accident. 
um, besides all of her physical ailments, she also had uh, what was known as DID. So it's disassociative identity disorder. She hit her head so bad on the pavement that they diagnosed her with DID. So she had 30 plus personalities. So my beautiful mother was no longer my mother. So I had nobody to go to. Um, I couldn't tell my friends. I carried a lot of shame. And I think that's, you know, working with young girls and working with the clients that I have, um, Brene Brown has nailed it right, like right the nail right on the head. It's shame. We carry so much shame and, you know, we can't talk to people. We can't have a conversation like this, Mark. And now I've gotten to the point where I can openly talk about it because I know that somebody needs to hear it so that they don't feel alone and that they can be like, wow, she did it. Then I can do it. Um, and on the last, the, the last day that I chose to bet on myself, that's what it is. It's that resiliency. I knew that this was not my life. I knew there was something more. I knew that this was really just a path to get me to somewhere. I didn't understand why, because I was always the good hearted girl. You know, I'm the, I was always, even as a child, I'd hold doors for people. So I used to pray all the time and say, God, why is this happening to me? And then it was a shift in perspective. And the last day that I got away from these people, I realized that this is not, I'm looking at it as trauma. I'm looking at it as horrific, but what I really need to do, and I'm not taking away from trauma, but it's a shift in perspective to look at it like, well, what is it trying to teach me? Why is it that I need to learn this? What am I going to get out of this? And it was that shift to turn it from trauma into triumph, into blessings. And then I really started to work on myself. And that was a long roadmark. That's not something, you know, you just wake up the next day and you're all healed and you're all better. Um, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, high function anxiety, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And they told me I'd be on medication for the rest of my life. And I think because I watched my mom going through all of these horrible things and she was on a carousel of meds. That's what Western medicine does, right? We, we find the diagnosis, we give the prognosis, and we just hand out prescriptions because that's what we do. And uh, I didn't want to take that approach. So I really spent time disconnecting from the outer, the outer world, the exterior world. And I really started to go within. And that was by far the best journey I've ever taken in my life was the one back to myself. And it took a lot of work. I did Hakomi. I studied a lot of meditation. I was meditating all the time, like four or five, six times a day. I was reading a lot. I was journaling a lot. I did a lot of Eastern uh, approaches. I did a lot of Ayurvedics and stuff like that. Um, and I really started to align my energy centers and I started to work through them one by one. And I realized that I could remove shame. I could remove guilt. I could remove fear. I could re remove all the apathy, all the low vibrating energies, which allowed me to vibrate into the higher energies, which are, you know, love and compassion and empathy. And I think really, truly, that's what binds us as human beings, as souls, right, is we all want to be in that frequency. And so that was my journey. Cole's notes of it. You've heard the longer version, but for your listeners, I want them to really understand. And I know there are people that go through 10 times worse than me. And that was another thing that kept me really afloat was that I knew that there was always somebody that was worse than me out there, no matter how bad it was, there was always somebody worse. And I just want your listeners to know that there's always hope. I am the epitome of what resiliency and really betting on yourself looks like. And we all have that capability, right? We are mm -hmm. so full of potential and possibility and we don't give ourselves enough credit for it. So, Wow. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, if I can ask you a, a question here. Um, so when you, when you, you came out of this, you said, 
you were looking for the, what, what it taught you. So instead of, you know, as Tony Robbins says, it doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. That's right. Um, if I may ask, why did this happen for you? Ah, that's a great question. Actually, I've never had anybody ask it that way. I think because the divine God source spirit, whatever it is that you pray to knew that I was strong enough to do it knew that I had a compassion enough heart that in the end of this, I would make it my mission to impact as many people as I possibly could and get them to see the other side of what's possible when we bet on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I, I love, I love what you're talking about, uh, you know, betting on yourself. I mean, right. it's, it's so critical. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I was going to ask you is, is that, um, you know, it's, um, you know, through what you're talking about, I mean, it was funny, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Joel Rogan and, and Jordan Peterson, uh, Jordan Peterson, I, I just, I just fall in love with his work. I love Jordan Peterson. He's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. He's, uh, and you know, and, and, and through his work, I realized he's from where I'm from originally, which is Alberta. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he's in Toronto, right, which yes. is really cool. Um, and, you know, he talks about two things that really hit home for me, which is, Number one is um, at your own father's funeral, be the most, be the most reliable person. Yeah. Um, number one. And number two, it's recognizing that, you know, in, in this circumstance and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you went through hell, but what hell was, was simply a game. It wasn't the championship. No, that's right. You know, you may have lost the game but you're winning the championship. That's and, right. You know, it doesn't matter what celebrated sports team you are. I mean, they're going to lose games, but they still win the championship. That's right. Love that perspective. You know, and it's, um, okay. So <sighs> dreams giving whispers, <laughs> talk to me about whispers. So like, I, I understand with the positive dreams, but what about negative dreams? I'm not talking about nightmares, but negative dreams. So negative. Okay. So remember this phrase, put it up on your wall, print it on a t-shirt, put it in your car, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. The dreamer is always dreaming of the dreamer. And so when I was really young, I used to have these crazy dreams mm -hmm. and I learned really early on that there is so much magic in that, that we yeah. call it woo woo these days, right? You hear that word woo woo tossed around everything. All woo -woo the time. By, yep. Yeah. Woo woo by simple definition is actually just magic. Um, that's what it is. And we're all magic, right? We are the universe, the Y-O-U, Niverse, the universe is within us. Right. And we are all full of this uh, capability and we don't tap in. And so there are people who will dream these things and they wave them off. And what I want people to do is I want them to pull out those whispers. So they're things that show up in symbology, allegories, you know, don't run out and get, you know, everybody runs to Kohl's or Barnes and Noble and they buy one of those dream dictionaries, those A to Z. They don't really work because your meaning or interpretation of something, Mark, is probably very, very different than mine. Do you sure. know what I mean? We can look at the exact same thing and see something totally different. So the best dream dictionary is actually yourself. Higher self, our higher self wants us to have a great life, wants us to be in full potential. And so the best way for the higher self to communicate this is through our dreams and through our dream state. And it shows us what it wants from us, what it requires from us through symbology, through colors, through people. Now, if we go back to the dreamers always dreaming of the dreamer, the people that you see in your dreams, even if they're bad dreams, so bad dreams, nightmares, 
reoccurring dreams are actually our allies. They're trying to teach us what we need to focus on, what we need to work on so that we are able to elevate. So we are able to expand, we are able to grow and we are able to tap into full potential. And so when we have these bad dreams, I actually ask you to lean into it more. And now here comes the hardest part. Everybody says, I don't remember. I don't remember my dreams. I don't dream, Tara. I know you do. It's like going to the gym and training a muscle. It takes time, takes patience, takes consistency. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I teach people to use uh, something we call free association. So you, you get a dream journal or a notepad. And when you wake up in the morning, there's a, a little blueprint that I have for my clients where, you know, they get up, they don't jump out of bed. They sit there really, really calmly, almost to the point where they're falling back asleep. Um, they won't hit their stage five uh, uh, cycle of sleep, but they're falling back and they'll be able to recall certain things and to just jot them down. They don't have to make any sense, no interpretation, but you jot them down. It's called free association. So you dump all your thoughts, your feelings on that paper and go about your day, leave it alone, then come back to it. And what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to link certain things and then you'll be able to see the message that it's trying to tell you. The higher self is trying to tell you. And then it's up to you. We have choice in this world, free will. You got to put it into action. So are dreams a predictor? So uh, studies, and I've been doing dreams for over 25 years, the chance of you having a precognitive dream, so I see the end of the world coming and it's going to happen like this, this is less than 1%. So it's so not as common. It's not as common as people think at all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, no, this is fascinating. Uh, this is yes. really fascinating. You know, and sleep is something that is so, you know, back in the day, I'm, I'm going to date myself 23 years ago, I practiced <laughs> respiratory therapy. And, yes. and with that, there was a lot of patients that it was, it was becoming more of an up and coming about sleep apnea, uh, obstructive sleep apnea and this kind of stuff. So they actually made us learn a lot about sleep in a different yes. stages. So, <laughs> and you know, you should probably know better than anybody. Sleep is so important. It is. And we really don't um, put enough effort into getting enough. We need sleep. But I also am fascinated with sleep. I can't wait to go to bed at night because I already know what's coming. And so sure. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a dream of a gentleman that I haven't seen in, I'm going to date myself. I haven't seen him since high school. But I've known through years of my experience in studying that I need to pay attention to that man. So what did I do? I, I jumped on Facebook because that's the easiest thing to do. I looked him up. I found him. It was a Wednesday. We connected. Hey, how are you? How's your family? How many kids you got? What you doing? All that stuff. And uh, on the Friday following that Wednesday, he called me back and he offered me a job uh, opportunity for nine months at $15,000 a month. Now, if I hadn't have acted on that, that's the law of action. I would have just waved it off as, oh my God, I had, I had a dream about this guy and I haven't seen him since high school and I would have went about my day. And, you know, it's also a source of healing more than anything else because the higher self wants you to be in those higher vibrations. You know, the 600 megahertz, the 500 megahertz, we don't want to stay in those lower vibrations. And so it's asking you to do things so that you can elevate into higher vibrations. Mm -hmm. And I've known this, I'm telling you, Mark, I was a dreamer since I was a kid. And when I was trafficked, I used to have dreams uh, of certain places and I'd see certain symbols and certain boards and names of streets. And that stuff is the stuff that guided me out of it. Wow. And that's where intuition also plays part. Sure. And I think what happens to all of us 
you're a very busy man. And I know you don't stop. Well, we get, we are all guilty of this. We get so caught up in life and life is so noisy and loud out there, especially with the pandemic, right? There's so much chaos going on that we don't, we forget to tap into our own internal voice. It's mm -hmm. those quiet whispers that I'm talking about, but that's our intuition. And we actually have more than just our gut, our binary basic level of intuition. That's the one that keeps you safe, right? That's the one that says, don't step off the curb, Mark, mm -hmm. don't go in that building, turn left, turn right. But we have four levels. And when you can find peace within yourself, and peace does not mean that, you know, everything out there externally is quiet. It means that it's all crazy, but you can still find peace within yourself. You can still be quiet and still and just be you'll hear those whispers and they'll actually show up in your dreams even more. And so it's such a gift and I'm not an anomaly. We all have this Joe Dispenza. I love bless his soul. He talks about this all the time. Mm -hmm. There are people that have healed themselves from stage four cancers and inoperable brain tumors. And I'm, I don't have anything that extreme, but I healed myself with the mm -hmm. same mindset, the same principle. And it was really to, kind of harness your thoughts and your feelings because those really do dictate your state of being right and the only thing we really have control of is our choices and mm -hmm. so whether you choose to sleep in whether you choose to get in the car whether you choose to call somebody whether you choose to come on a podcast your whole life will be dictated by these choices and when you hear the whispers it makes the choices easier for you absolutely yeah yeah, no, I'm very fascinated with a lot of Joel Dispenza's work, especially with the epigenetics and so forth. Yes, I mean, oh, incredible. Yeah, incredible. It, it is for sure. Um, you mentioned resilience before. Yes. Have you always had resilience or resilience come? Did it like, did it? I think what I'm asking is, is like, did you have to grow into the resilience or the resilience was simply untapped potential and it just unleashed? Interesting. I think we all are born with resilience, but you really learn to be resilient when you go through an extreme amount of experiences. That's, I think, what builds the resiliency. And resiliency for me is like this tree in the vortex of a storm that's constantly swaying, but it never really breaks. And I think it's my life experiences, especially from a young, young age, that really armored me up and taught me to be so strong. But it required, you know, resiliency is kind of, it goes hand in hand with courage. You have to have courage. And I think a lot of us forget when we were kids, we were so courageous. I would climb crazy trees and buildings. I was on the top of my school one day, my dad was screaming at me. We have to go back to when we were kids and we didn't have that fear and we were courageous and we were brave. Brene Brown talks about it all the time. And when you have that and you armor yourself with that, and then you start to go through all these experiences in life, you build up that resiliency. We're all born with it, but I think you have to go through, you know, crazy experiences to really toughen it up. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I just, it's uh, the amount of people I speak to and they talk about that resilience and how it hardens them up. Yes. And um, yeah. And then, you know, just listening to your story, it, it, and you're like, you're one of the softest people, but inside you're, 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 it's really hardened you. And it, it, it it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, I was actually on a call this morning with Tim story, actually, we were, you know, oh, we need, you're just an awesome guy. And, you know, we had a great conversation, but just as we're talking here, I know there's two things they say that brings us to peace. Actually, I'm going to come back to that question because I, because I mean, this is my mind spewing. Okay. So I'm going to come back to it. I do apologize just no, from, a flow, from a flow standpoint. Um, going back to sleep here. Um, 
there's been studies that have shown that someone that meditates for 15 minutes is equivalent to four hours of sleep. So, and I apologize for the direct bluntness of this question. Are they both as equal? What's more important? Can they both coexist? How do they coexist? So I think they do coexist. Um, I meditate a lot, but I don't meditate. And there's so many different variations of meditation. And so when someone comes to me and says, I hate meditating, Tara, it's not for me. I can't focus. I got monkey brain, mind chatter. I can't do it. There's different forms. But the beautiful thing about uh, meditation, I only do seven minute meditations. I do them sporadically throughout the day. Actually, I'm not sure if you know who Master Co is. He runs some great, quick meditations. You can find him on Instagram. Um, And he really gets you to focus on the light and the energy. And because I'm a spiritual uh, life and embodiment coach, and I do a lot of quantum facilitation. I love energy work. I love the manipulation of energy work. Um, I love meditation because it allows me to manipulate my energy. In my dreams, I can do that through lucid dreaming, which we are all very capable of doing. Um, But I seem to get more out of the meditation, although I do believe that they blend together. You get this beautiful reset of energy. I'm not sure if you meditate, um, but if you meditate frequently, your energy kind of stays up above 500 all the time. So you're one of those people that are walking around. They're like, why, why are you so happy? You got so much energy. Like, where do you get that from? It's from meditation. It allows you to refocus and realign, almost recalibrate your body and move any stuck energy because energy gets stuck. It gets stuck in our organs. It gets stuck in our body, gets stuck in our tissue. And I fondly, firmly believe it's actually what breaks us down. I think that's why, and if I can be very blunt here, there was people that were going into the hospital during COVID that were in completely healthy shape. He's healthy, she's healthy, and they're dying. And I believe the reason why is we only flow in two states. We flow in fear and we flow in love. And all the other emotions all kind of, you know, piggyback around those two uh, emotions. When you go into a hospital and you see people being resuscitated and you see people being intubated, what happens? fear kicks in. And when fear kicks in, all of a sudden our energy and our frequency in our body drops and it literally starts to break down our organs at a molecular and cellular level. And then people become sick. Then their brain becomes overwhelmed with negative thoughts, thoughts of death, thoughts of, you know, disease. And I think I'm honest, I swear this is what has happened during COVID. And so I like to meditate. I like to dream because it keeps my frequency above 500. So no matter what experience I go through, no matter what challenge comes, I know that I'm going to be able to tackle it. I know I'm actually one of those girls, Mark, if you give me a challenge or something is frightening, I actually run at it because now I've gotten to the point in life where I learn that on the other side of that fear, on the other side of that challenge is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And right. that's what I need to do to get there. And that's the way I got to go. I love that. Yeah, no, meditation has definitely made a game changer for me. Um, you know, I do a guided meditation yeah. uh, and I love it because it allows me to, because a lot of people, I mean, I spoke to someone about this this last night saying, hey, Mark, how do you, like, how do you meditate? And I go, it's not easy. Like it's, it's, it's tough. Like my brain, I got, I have what I believe attention deficit disorder. So my brain is just always firing. I may not have it on the outside, but I know how my brain operates and it's just firing at all frequencies. And so, and any type of anxiety that comes into play, it's just, it's just like puts it on steroids. Yeah, so what absolutely. I need to do, so what I need to do is even those seven or 10 minute guided meditations I do, as Tom Bailu says, lean into the breath. And, and it's okay to have thoughts, but you, you acknowledge them and you park them. And get back to the breath. 
Yeah. And, um, and so, and it's, it's, I love meditating now. Like it's yeah. just, the it's, breath, the breath is the most grounding and the most important part, I think, of meditation. Mm -hmm. And so if we could refocus when we feel that anxiety or we have that mind chatter, I know what you're talking about the monkey brain where it's just a million thoughts. You're like, I'm trying to meditate, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. Um, but another way actually to ground yourself and to move from the the anxiety aspect of it is to re-enchant your imagination. Hmm. So I want you to kind of almost forget about the anxiety right now, focus on the breath. And then just start to play an imagination like we did when we were children. And I want you to start to focus there, whatever, wherever that takes you, wherever your imagination takes you. But it is the fastest way to reset out of anxiety and out of fear, actually. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I love this. Yeah. This is how I got through a lot of my, um, my very traumatic experiences was I would actually put my brain somewhere else while watching things happen so that I was able to cope. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've heard of that practice before. I'm just trying to think, uh, yeah, it's almost like a, I don't want to say an out-of-body experience, but you're, 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 you're removing yourself from that situation, although you're in it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's a, it's a dissociation is what dissociation, it is. Dissociation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so peace and with, when it comes to peace or peace within say the two, the, you need both of them, not just one, you need both of them to be really at peace. Um, one is gratitude. Absolutely. And the second is forgiveness. Absolutely. So, you know, we, I, I've talked <laughs> days on end about the importance of gratitude, the importance of journals on my podcast and that kind of stuff. Let's talk about forgiveness here, because I know, you know, you, you know, there's some, some things that happen in your life. Uh, a lot that's actually happened in your life where in order for you to, to move on, you had to let go. You had to forgive. Here's a question for you though, is how do you forgive without the other person saying, sorry? I love this question. It's probably my favorite question you've asked me. I run a lot of rooms on clubhouse. I run programs on forgiveness because forgiveness for me, Mark is probably the one key that set me free from these shackles that had me in suicidal thoughts and I'm not worthy enough and I'm not good enough and I'm not pretty enough and no one's going to love me. Um, and it was hard, but it started actually with me forgiving myself. And during this process, and I assure you, it's one of the hardest things, but it is one of the most liberating things as well. And it is really, truly the only way to heal. Um, I started to forgive myself. So I had to learn to let go of the shame. I had to learn to forgive myself for making bad choices or for allowing people to do things to me. I had to forgive my father. I had to forgive my mother for being in an accident. I had to forgive everybody, but myself. So many people forgive other people, but they never forgive themselves. And it starts with yourself and then it's easier. Now, not everybody that I forgave apologized to me, even to this day, but that's okay because you're not forgiving for the other person. You are only forgiving for you. Half of the time, the people that have hurt you in your life, don't even think about it. It doesn't even cross their mind. They might not even know they hurt you, but you are walking around with like these bags which weigh a ton and you might not even think that you're paying attention to it, but they actually have large play in your decision-making, your emotional state, your state of being. And so you have to empty those bags or you're just carrying all this weight. And 
I don't need the sorry from them. My, I understand that when I say sorry and I forgive them, I'm actually healing them without them even knowing it. And it really does set you free. It sets you free from those low vibrating emotions. And I remember being in a clubhouse room. I told my story and I said, what really set me free was I forgave these gentlemen. And someone unmiked and said, first of all, I don't even know how you forgave them. Number one, number two, you called them gentlemen. And I said, because I got to a point where I started to change my perspective on everything that was happening to me, hurt people, hurt people. There are people in this world that are truly sick and they need help. They truly do. But there are people that are just hurt and they make really bad decisions and they, they do really horrible, shitty things. Do you know what I mean? But for me to cast judgment on them, I also know that you know, one of the greatest things in this world is to just love, love people and love and judgment can't coexist. They can't. So in order for me to love them, to help heal them, I can't judge them and I have to forgive them. And that's exactly what I did. And once you learn how to do that, everything in life just becomes so much easier and you don't judge people anymore. Everybody judges people. They judge people if they took the shot, if they didn't take the shot, if you, you know what I mean? If you're vaccinated, you're unvaccinated. If you're like, I think everybody forgets we are all the same. Yeah. We are. And that's what an eye for an eye actually is. We've been taught, and I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic high school. You know, everybody thinks, oh, if I if I cut off your arm, you're gonna cut off my arm. And it doesn't actually mean that. It means whatever you do to me, you're doing to yourself. Like we are the same. And so if we can just learn to love each other and accept each other and forgive each other, mm -hmm. people say horrible things based off their belief systems, mm -hmm. based off of how they emotionally feel at the moment. And to forgive them. Forgiveness is truly like everything, Mark. Everything. Yeah. The, you know, as I say, right? I mean, we judge ourselves on our intention, but we judge others on their result. That's right. Yes, you know? I love that. So, um, so here's a question about forgiveness then. Yeah. Is what happens if that person you are forgiving keeps on throwing stones at you? Perfect question. So that's actually one of the biggest questions I get. So you are allowed to set up boundaries, right? We have, I think that's where it is. And this actually happens a lot with family members the most. It's, I forgive you because you're my family or you're my spouse, you're my husband, you're my wife. Um, but you allow them to continue to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need to really draw the line. And I think that's the hardest part for people is you have to put up boundaries. We all need boundaries. Like I need to know your boundaries, Mark. If you don't like certain things, you need to make it very clear that that's your boundary. And I will respect that boundary, not go over it. If people are disrespecting your boundary, then we all have free will and choice. And that's when you have to let them go. If people, the people in my life, and I'm very intentional who I have in my life, if you don't serve me, feed me, grow me, nurture me, I love you, but I'm gonna have to love you from over there. And some people just aren't willing to change and that's the way they work, that's how they think and they have no respect for your boundaries. And then therefore they gots to go. And at the same time, those are the same individuals that hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. If you go back, I do a lot of uh, belief system work with uh, clients. If you go back and you really go back somewhere in between the ages of zero to seven, you will find where that little, that little breakage is and their belief system is wired around that. Sure. And beliefs, we can't see beliefs. They have no location, shape, or color. Mm -hmm. It's just something that we've given meaning to, but does it mean it's right? Most of the time, our beliefs are so wrong. But another problem is, is that we have this huge urgency that we need to belong. 
And we're wired for connection. We aren't wired for belonging. A lot of people belong to things, but they aren't actually active in them. So they belong to groups on Facebook. They belong to clubs on Clubhouse, but they're not active in them, but they feel they need to belong so that they feel like they're part of something. And that's because it's based off of a belief system. And half of the beliefs aren't even true. They don't even know who they are. It's to know thyself. And when we really sit with that, that quietness that I'm talking about, that peace, that hearing those whispers, that's really where we get to really tap into who we are and how uniquely designed we all are. You have mm-hmm. so many gifts that I will never possess. And I have gifts that you won't possess. We all have these beautiful parallels in our life. We have similar experiences, but we each have our own gifts. And if you're really quiet and really still, and you do all of this work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of forgiveness. It's a lot of healing. It's a lot of meditation, but it's a lot of sitting with yourself and knowing who you truly are and showing up as that person every single day without comparison. Stop the comparison. That's another thing too, is people compare themselves, go on Instagram, look at everybody's Tim's story. I love Tim and I'm sure he'll see this. And I remember he unmiked one day in clubhouse and he asked me if I had a podcast And I said, no. And he said, you should have a podcast. I'd listen to you every day. And I was just like, who is this man? I love him (laughs) Uh, besides all of his work. But to hear that from him, I knew that he's the type of man. He knows himself. He's done the work. Do you know what I mean? He's so in tune. And so people like that fascinate me. And I don't care to go through other people's highlight reels. I'll go to his because I know it's true. It's in alignment. It's in community. It's in service. It's in compassion. And so to really get people to figure out who they are and then start to attract those people and to hang out with those people, to learn from those people, right? It's the power of proximity. It's also the power of the pack. It's like a wolf pack. You're stronger together when you're in alignment, right? So, Absolutely. yeah. Um, this has just been amazing. I just love, I could talk to you forever. I could eat too. And I know you only have 45 minutes, but (laughs) I get really worked up about it because I'm super passionate about it. And I just think of, I might never have had this opportunity with you, Mark, if I didn't learn about on myself, because there was times where it was just so much easier to leave. Do you know what I mean? So much easier to just not love. And uh, I'm so grateful for every single thing that I've ever gone through in my life, because I don't think I would be exactly where I am today if I hadn't done it that is so powerful yeah that is just wow I mean for those that are listening or watching you just hearing Tara's story and if that just doesn't give you chills that right now Tara's saying she's grateful for everything she's been through she's been grateful to the hardship she's been grateful through all that I mean you don't suck it up buttercup I yeah. mean you know what at the end of the day how bad do you really have it you know yeah absolutely yeah you know the this podcast went through an evolution and it was called the seven two uh, podcast mindset investor podcast, the hero's journey. And, um, and the whole seven two was really designed uh, around the worst possible hand in poker, which is a yes. seven two hand. And uh, cause at the end of the day, we can't control the hand that you're dealt. We can control how you play that hand. Right. And since that time we've gone done a little bit of a reset. It's called the billion dollar mindset, as I mentioned earlier in the show, but I didn't even have to ask you what your seven two moment was, because I mean, it's, and everything you said there, like you took that, those bad hands that you were dealt and you turned them into the best hand when yeah. you said those words at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and you just said it. So we're not responsible for the things that happen in our life. We're not responsible for what people say and what they do, um, but we are responsible for how we respond and yeah. how we react. And that is where the magic is because we all have choice. 
We all have choice. We don't have enough time to really get into this, but I have three beautiful children with a narcissistic father and I haven't seen my son. I, I sent him a couple of years ago to visit his dad and I haven't seen him in two years. And so we always go through challenges and adversities. It's how we respond and how we react. And that's not to say I don't have bad days. I have horrible days. We all have horrible days, but we also have the choice to do something about it instead of remaining in victimhood. Right. And I know you do a lot of podcasts with a lot of great, amazing people on this planet. And they'll all tell you it's when you move from victimhood through choice, power of choice. I refuse to be here anymore. You just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you know that there's so much more for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, second last question, which is uh, the tombstone question. <laughs> and a tombstone question is a question I like to ask all my guests, which is, you know, at the end of the day, when we meet our maker, we're not going to decide what's going to be put on our tombstone. Someone else will. Yeah. We'll be written on your tombstone. That's an amazing question. I should have prepped for that one. I have no idea. I just want to be known for somebody who came here and really led with her heart and really truly showed what compassion and empathy was for every human being, no matter how many you know poor choices they made or bad decisions they made. And I really just hope to transform one person's life. That was my goal. One person. I've done a lot more than one person. Um, but that's really what it is because the purpose for me, when someone says to me, and I get this question all the time, what is the purpose in life, Tara? The purpose in life is not actually to be wealthy. It's not to be even happy or joyful. All that stuff comes after it's to be in service. It's to live a life of compassion and empathy and that stuff will trail afterwards, but that's truly what it is. And so I would want something along those lines on my tombstone. I'd be pretty happy with that. So it's amazing. Again, going back to Jordan Peterson, he talks about this. Yes. If you want to have a, a great life, you have to live a life of reciprocity. Yes, absolutely. And, absolutely. You know, and, you know, one of my friends, Bob Berg, who wrote the book, uh, yep. The Go-Giver talks about this. It's be at service of others. Yep, absolutely. There's so much beauty in that. So this is one, I know I'm in my gift. I know that. And you'll know when you're in alignment because it's something you could do for free. It's yep. something that you can, you literally watch people's lives transformed and you do not need to be paid for it. And that's where the joy and the happiness comes. It's in service. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, last question for our audience. How can someone connect with you? What's the best way someone can connect with you? Um, well, I live on Instagram, so I'm the empath within on Instagram, or you can just send me, um, an email at the empathwithin.com. I'm always on Instagram. I'm always checking out people like you and people that are doing such amazing things on the planet. So those are the two best ways. Fantastic. And we'll make sure we put your, your contact details in the show notes as well. Um, Tara, I just want to say thank you so much. This is just a, it was worth the wait. I'm just happy that you're doing wow. better now and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm truly blessed to, to have you as a friend, actually. Ah, thank you, Mark. I'm so, I believe in divine timing. I remember the first time we spoke, I'm like, this guy is someone special. So, and your story is pretty incredible too. So I'm honored. Thank you so much. Appreciate this. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear the feedback from the audience. <laughs> Yay. Well, I hope you have a great day, sweetheart.